Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, was blessed to have Joey Thompson, pastor of Restoration Road Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts, preach on March 26th at the invitation of Pastor Stephen Tillis. Restoration Road and Emmanuel are pleased to partner together in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now, here's Pastor Joey. Well, good morning, everybody. It is um, an absolute privilege to be here this morning. Um, I want to start off by just thanking all of you for being partners in the gospel, for supporting us, our young church plant in so many ways. When you guys came up, some of you came up last year to uh, serve on the missions team. That was huge for us. The way you supported us financially, relationally, prayerfully, Please hear us say an absolute, huge, big thank you. And you all have been so kind. I said you all. Wow. See, it rubs off. It's contagious. (laughs) You guys have been so kind, have been so kind to me and my wife, Natalie, is here with me today. Um, We're just truly thankful. And it's an honor to be here today to preach the word of God to you. Can we uh, pray? Heavenly Father. What a privilege it is to be your children, to be covered by your grace, to be loved by you, to have our sins washed away clean so we can come today and worship you in spirit and in truth as innocent children, fully loved by you, fully covered by you. We thank you for that, Father, for your, your perfect grace towards us. Would you be with me as I preach? Would you open all of our hearts and eyes and ears to hear your word and to see the beauty of your gospel and the beauty of your son, Jesus. More than anything, Lord, let the name of your son, Jesus, be lifted up today. We need to see that fresh every day, the glory of your son, living the perfect life, dying the perfect death and rising again so that we might have life. We thank you for that. Be with us. Amen. Today I want to talk to you and preach to you from the book of Jonah. We're going through that up in Boston. We're preaching through a sermon series called Jonah. And this past week I I preached a sermon that really hit home with a lot of people because at some point in our life we all go through it. There is going to be a point in your life and you might be in that point now or you might go through it in a few months or a few years where you're going to hit rock bottom in your life. Where it's going to be a season where everything's not going great. Where you might even feel like your prayers aren't answered. Where you might even be running away from God and God is tracking you down. You might be feeling the discipline of God and you might be feeling like, God, where are you? A God, why am I here? I've done this, I've done that, I've been the best I could, I've done this, I've been kind. Why am I at rock bottom? Why does everything seem like it's going wrong in my life? Isn't it supposed to be perfect because I'm a Christian? Aren't I supposed to be happy all the time? Am I supposed to struggle like this? Should I feel like I'm at rock bottom? And do you know what? Sometimes God brings us to rock bottom to reconsecrate us onto ourselves and cause us to love others and follow his will for our lives. Amen? Amen. It's very important for us to understand because some people leave that out of their theology. Then they hit storms and they hit hard times and they hit rock bottom and they're saying, where is God? But when you read the whole Bible, guess what? People are going through hard times, starting with our Savior who lived a hard, hard life and went to rock bottom for us. So if we're going to say, 
like we are, that we're Christians. We're going to say we're following someone who went through tough, tough times. And sometimes in our life, we're going to hit rock bottom. And guess who brought us to rock bottom? It wasn't your neighbor. It wasn't your employer. It wasn't your pastor, Steve. See, I got you off the hook, Steve. It's no one else. Sometimes we are brought rock bottom even because of our own sin. And that's important to see in the book of Jonah. Jonah was brought to rock bottom. He was thrown in that ocean. He was swallowed by that fish. Not because the captain didn't navigate that boat right. Not because he didn't look at the weather forecast. He couldn't blame the guys that threw him out of the boat. Jonah hit rock bottom because of his own sin and he was running away from God. And a beautiful thing happens in this text we're going to go through today. Jonah owns his sin and God restores him unto the joy of his salvation. And even in his rock bottom, God uses that to sanctify him, to change him and to reconsecrate him onto the mission he was called to be on to preach to the city of Nineveh. He has a renewed sense of compassion to love other people. Is it not hard to love other people sometimes? I know it is in the Northeast. (laughs) I barely like anyone, and I'm called to be a pastor, and i got to have this renewed sense of loving people. Jesus, you died for me. You love me. i got to take what is vertically and put it horizontally to love people. Do you know why Jonah ran? He ran because he knew God would have a compassion on the people he preached to, and he didn't like those people that much. Right? So what we need to follow our callings is we need to be brought to rock bottom sometimes so we realize the grace that God is showing us so we can show that grace to other people. Amen. And so I was visiting someone in prison a few weeks back. I don't like visiting people in prison. It's just a mandate from the scripture, so I make myself go. I pulled up to this prison. I'm looking at this place, and I'm saying, man, what a miserable place. Doesn't have the best decor. Uh, The social environment is not the best. The guards are telling you where to go and what to do. True story. They thought I was trying to break out of prison. They stopped me and said, where are you going? What are you doing down here? It's minimum security. I said, that ain't right. I'm a pastor. You're saying I look like a prisoner? (laughs) Must be the beard. But I went in to visit this man. And this man was serving about 11 months in prison in a rock bottom place. I mean, it doesn't get much worse than prison. And so I go in there, and we sit at the table, and I'm talking to him. And what blew my mind was he was thankful that God put him in prison. He looked, and he said, God put me here. He said, I couldn't stop myself. He said, I wouldn't be able to be a husband or a dad. I wouldn't be able to be a follower of Jesus if he didn't stop me and make me hit rock bottom in my life. And I have a God who loves me, who allowed me to go to prison because he stopped me and made me hit rock bottom. That's the unrelenting grace of God. That he loves us that much that he will make us hit rock bottom sometimes so that we see him as the treasure and other things pass away. It's so important we have a God that has that kind of unrelenting grace towards us. And I do Morning Mercies by Paul Tripp. If you don't have a devotional, man, that's a good one. And he brought this up when I was reading my devotional the other day. He says there's two responses we can have when bad things happen in our life when we hit rock bottom. We can curse Or we can mourn our sin. And I want to ask you today, are you someone, when you hit rock bottom, do you curse your situations? Do you even sometimes get mad at God 
Or do you mourn the sin that maybe brought you to rock bottom? Because blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted by the grace of God. And so let's read from the text today. If we turn to Jonah chapter 1, we're going to read verse 17 in the entirety of chapter 2. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. What I want us to really see first is that we must see beyond our circumstances and see that God controls our circumstances. When Jonah looked at the reality that he was in the belly of this great fish, that he had ran away from God, he didn't blame, like I had previously said, it on the stuff around him. He didn't say, because of this person, if this person treated me better, if only God didn't call, like, he didn't go through all other things. He finally saw that God was moving in his life, and God was behind the storm, and God was behind the whale. And God was behind his rock bottom. So I want to ask you today, what is your rock bottom? And are you blaming it on something else? Or really, is God trying to get your attention so he can get your heart? That's huge. That's huge. A lot of us, and Sinclair Ferguson said this, and this was so, it hit me so deeply. When we look at the story of Jonah, sometimes we see the whale as punishment. And Sinclair Ferguson pointed this out. The whale was a rescue vehicle. I'm sure that brother was treading water. Who knows how long that great fish took to get there. The doggy paddle was getting weak. And then the rescue vehicle comes around. The whale wasn't a punishment. It was an instrument used to consume Jonah so he could spend some time in rock bottom so he could have his affections reorientated so he would put his affection on God alone and follow in his mission. Do you guys see that? Once again, what is the rescue vehicle God's using in your life? I hope none of you are going to jail like the guy I talked about earlier. Is it you lost your job? Is it an illness? One of my favorite comedians of all time, it always messed with my mind. I'm not telling you who he is. You might judge me. As he got older, 
he got sick. He got ill. And they were interviewing him, and he said, I thank God that I got ill because it finally stopped me. It made me stop and love my family. It made me stop and see the grace of God. I said, wow, I'm still trying to get that. But we have different rock bottoms that God allows us to go through so we see him in his grace and we live life for the only thing that is worth living for, and that's to worship God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength in everything we are. So the big question always is, did a fish really swallow up Jonah? Come on now. If you're like me, I'm looking at the size of the esophagus of great fish. Can a dude get down there? What about the gastric acids? What's going on in there? Can he make it through? Can he survive? I get carried away. Let me give you some helpful scientific stuff, then we'll get to the miraculous. Simple answer so you don't have to wait. Yes. God is that powerful. God is that mighty. And he was putting in an eternal conversation that he caused a great fish to come along, swallow up Jonah. And it ultimately pointed to Jesus, and we'll get there when we get there. But there's a story of um, some whalers and off the Falk Islands, and um, they were trying to take down a sperm whale. And what happened is one of these guys got consumed. His name was James Bartley. I don't know if you guys have heard this story. But James Bartley got consumed by the whale while they were hunting the thing down. So what do you do? What do you do if you're a buddy of someone that gets swallowed by a whale? You chase that whale down. You've got to do that. That's a Christ-like thing to do. They chase the whale down 18 hours. You have good friends when they chase a whale down 18 hours. They get this whale, few harpoons, they drop them, they're paling them back. They get to his stomach, they think their buddy James is done. They open up the stomach, James rolls out, he's unconscious. Bleeds from the gastric acids. He comes to and he's crazy for three weeks. They put him in a room. He comes back, and to this day, if you go to Gloucester, England, it will say James Bartley, the modern-day Jonah. Now, that's 18 hours. God can do much better than that. And he gets to the point where you're writing prayers in the belly. God did a miraculous thing, so we will never forget it, and it will point to the cross of Christ. He appointed. You will see over and over again that God appoints, God appoints, God appointed the storm, God appointed the whale. When you get to the end, God appointed the plant. He appoints things in our life that are going to peel back all the other things, all the other idols, all the other affections and places they shouldn't be. And he appoints things in our lives. So we hit rock bottom. So once again, we turn to him and we love him with everything we are. I just realized there's people up on the balcony. <laughs> I'm preaching to you too. I haven't forgot you. He allows those things to happen. And what, where Jonah was, he was in this rescue vehicle in rock bottom. And let me give you just a few more quick points about why I think this is historical, it's literal, it's not allegorical that God appointed this great fish for this great story that will point to our great Savior. First of all, Jonah was a historic figure. He was a prophet during the time of Jeroboam II. You see in 2 Kings 14.25 that he was an actual historical figure. When he preached to Nineveh, if you go to redemptive history, you'll see that Nineveh repented. It was part of the redemptive story, even on bringing judgment onto the nation of Israel. The biggest point, this is all I really need. Jesus brought him up in his earthly ministry. 
He said this is a sign of Jonah, and we'll tackle that later on. And once again, I believe that God does the miraculous. He intervenes into his creation and tells stories that glorify his name so we will never forget him in this earth or in the heaven to come. Amen? So a great thing happened in Jonah's heart as we see his prayer in this rock-bottom place. He begins to love people and have compassion on people again. And this is very important for all of us because we really have to take up our cross daily to love people. The greatest commandment is to love God and love others. If we don't love people deeply, none of us can follow our calls. And there's a big challenge. We're all sinners, so we all annoy each other, hurt each other, and treat each other badly sometimes. I know there's a silent amen in there for that one. All of us, pastors, deacons, members, we're broken. We're broken, and we don't love each other the way we should sometimes. But what God will do sometimes is it'll bring us to a place where we remember the most important thing is to have compassion on others and love people. If you can wake up with that mission every day, you're going to change the world, you know? And that's truth right there. I know in my life, being a pastor, you start out, you're fired up. When I first started being a pastor, you said, I'm going to love everyone. You don't understand my love for people. But then people start letting you down. People start hurting you. You feel betrayed. And you begin to say, ah, I like a few people now. I'll pray for the other ones. (laughs) Right? See, Jonah, because he ran away from his call because he didn't want to see God show compassion on a whole city, he's confronting with God's compassion all around him. Imagine, those were pagans on the boat that threw him out of the boat. At the beginning of Jonah, you'll see that they're praying to false gods. But even pagans... It says that they tried to save Jonah. It says they even knew that that storm was there, was going to bring them down. But what did they try to do? They tried to row harder through the storm. They're like, we'll save you, Jonah. We got this. You can't outrow God. And it was Jonah who basically said, listen, this is my fault. Toss me in. But even the people around him were trying to have compassion on him. Pagans that didn't believe in the one true God were trying to show him compassion. And here he is, he didn't want to show compassion to Nineveh because he felt like they were outside the covenant. And he's confronted with compassion from those who don't even worship the one true God. And you see at the beginning of the story, they're pagans. By the time they see God's judgment and his discipline and ultimately his love towards Jonah, they repent and put their faith and worship the one and only God in that story. Is that amazing? Sometimes God will be shaping us up and people will be watching, wow, God's getting him, I better repent. And Jonah's confronted with this compassion. And most of all, he's ran away from God. He ran, he ran away from God. He's on the run, but he finds himself at rock bottom in the belly of the whale. And God's still showing him love and saying, turn back to me. Is our God not like that? Can everyone testify that their whole lives, God keeps saying, come back to me? We're like, no, I've done too much. I went too far. This time you've got to let me go. And God says, I'm never letting you go. No one can take even one out of the hand of our Father because he loves us so deeply and his grace is so unrelenting. So Jonah has a renewed sense of compassion. And I pray today that you really think and examine yourself and say, do I need a renewed sense of compassion for others? 
Do I need to start loving the people in my church more, my neighbors more, my town more, my city more, the people at my job more, and cry out to God and say, help me love them and forgive me for not loving them the way I should? Secondly, he has a renewed sense of consecration. And consecration is just a dedication of service to to serve or worship a deity, in our case, to serve and worship the one and only God. Does everyone remember when they first saved? Do you remember how fired up you were? You were like, you don't understand. I will pray 18 hours a day. You go up to the pastor and say, do you have perfect attendance in this church? Because get ready, I'm going to be here 52 times this year. You don't understand. Well, how many small groups you need to start? I will start them. You're just fired up. You're like, God, whatever you need, you saved me. I was such a sinner. I received your grace. You've changed me. What a love. I will do anything for you. I vow that my whole life will be serving you, loving people, preaching the gospel. I don't care who persecutes me. I'm bold and courageous. But you know what happens through the years? I love wanes. Things get in the way. And that's what happened to Jonah. Called as a prophet of God. The very mouthpiece and the instrument of God to speak his words. He gets this beautiful calling. Listen, Jonah, this is what I'm going to do. You just go preach repentance. I'm going to save a whole city. How many pastors would feel fruitful if a whole city got saved? Right? You see what I did? Jonah has this calling. But his love had grown colder and colder. In his sense of duty and service to the Lord, he, he lost that. That's why he says in the verse, what I vowed, I will now pay. Lord, when you called me, I was fired up. 100 RPMs. I'm ready to go. How many weeks you need me to fast? I'm going to do it. You told me to love people. I'll love anyone and I'll forgive anyone. And what God does in this rock bottom place is Jonah cries out again. And he says, Lord, I will go and I will do what you call me to do. And I want to ask you today, has your love waned? Your consecration unto God waned. Has other things gotten in the way? Please, please, I urge you, throw those things to the side and give it all to Christ. Give every single moment. You will not regret one moment that you sacrificed and served your king on this earth. Everything else is passing away. And Jonah realized that in this rock-bottom place. When I was um, 30 years old, So God saved me when I was 19 on Halloween night, Reformation Day, whatever you want to call it. He saved me. And he saved me in a dramatic way. I I was like, well, I'll go to church. I'll meet a few people. I'll get a good job. I'll get good things. I didn't realize my whole heart was going to change and my affections were going to change. But what happened was I started to think too highly of myself after God saved me. Those initials, like I don't want money, I don't want fame, I don't want power, I don't want a glorious name, those began to fade away. And what I started to want, I wanted people to be impressed by my preaching and impressed by my ministry. And all of a sudden, I started a Bible study, and that grew to like a church. And I was like, yeah, I'm the gift to this ministry. They don't know what they got. And I started to enjoy the praise of man a little bit too much. And my identity was found in how many people showed up. So now it was like, let's look at the numbers, because that's where my identity was found. And I began to lose my way. I was once fired up. Nothing could penetrate my love for God. But all of a sudden, I knew it deep down. I said, other things seem more glorious than the most glorious. 
And I knew God had needed to sanctify me, and I didn't know how to do it. But I loved those things so much, and I held on to them like my precious. And God did something wonderful for me. He made me hit rock bottom. I was doing ministry 27, turned into a church, and I realized that my, uh, my character was behind my gifting. That I didn't have the theological foundation to withstand storms. That I didn't have the maturity to find my identity in the gospel alone, not in people's praise or in the number of people showed up. And what happened was a wonderful pastor in the town over, we playing competitive Christian softball, which is the most sinful league in the country. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he said to me, I shared my heart with him and said, I really just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I've hit a wall. And he, he asked me the hardest question that I heard to that time when it came to ministry. He said, I want you to shut down everything. Shut down your church. You need to be trained more. And I had worked for three years. Steve's just finding this out right now. He wouldn't have invited me if I already had a church shut down. <laughs> but I was 27 years old, and by the time I was 30, I hit a wall. And I said, I don't know how to navigate these storms. And they said, listen, shut it down, come train with us, and we'll send you back out to plant a church when you're nice and ready. Little did I know that when I made that decision, when it was so hard, I would enter four months of the worst time of my life. I've never been more depressed because when you have your identity in other things and they take your idols away, all of a sudden I, got, I can't worship the numbers. I can't worship, well, that was a great man. I can't worship those things anymore. And I was anxious, and I was depressed, and I was in rock bottom. And after anxiety, there were days I didn't want to live, if I'm honest with you. That's what idols can do to your life. There were days I didn't want to live. I was that rock bottom. And after about three or four months, there's a moment where everything faded away, and it was, I realized this is God's grace towards me. And I prayed to God. I said, God, don't let me lose this. Don't let me lose this again. You're the treasure. You're the only one worth living for. And it's only in that rock bottom moment that I can realize this is what it's all about. It's not about all the, the bells and the whistles, the things, the accolades of man, the things that we make so important that are like dust. And I thank God for that rock bottom. And I'm sure many of you have your own rock bottoms in your life. But when you hit them, say, my God is unrelenting in his grace towards me. And then just like Jonah, I got spit up on a beach. I started over again with a renewed heart, renewed love for people, a renewed sense of service unto God. I'm sure many of you have a similar story at different times in your life. But ultimately, this story isn't about Jonah. Ultimately, it isn't about me. It's ultimately about Jesus. Do you notice when the Pharisees came up to Jesus and they said they knew the law and they knew the scriptures and they had the sound theology? What did Jesus say? He said, you don't even know what the scriptures are about. If you knew how to read the scriptures, you'd know that the whole Old Testament was speaking to me. Now, why did he say it? I'm going to introduce you, and I'm sure Pastor Bishop Steve Tillis has already introduced you to this big theological word, typology. That's basically, I'll give you a real simple explanation. A person, place, thing, or institution that's pointing to something in the New Testament 99.9% .9 of the time, Jesus Christ. And so this story, if you would turn with me, Matthew 12, verse 38 through 41. 
is pointing to Jesus. I like how many pages turn in this church with the Bible. We get like two in our church. Everyone on the iPhone. (laughs) Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Does everyone see the typology in there? Calls this story that we're talking about today the sign of Jonah. That just like Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, Jesus would be in the grave. For three days and he would rise again. Just like Jonah was spit up on that beach, Jesus would overcome the grave. Just like Jonah preached to Nineveh repentance and they would turn, Jesus would preach repentance to many and save the world. So ultimately, a type, Jonah, this story was told so we could see Jesus. Amen? And when you read the Bible like that, you get fired up. When you see Jesus on every page, every word, you know, the author of life, the author of the gospel, our king, our savior, you get fired up. You go to the Old Testament, new and fresh. You say, this is a boring story. Some dude got swallowed by a fish. You say, God was setting up the big show. Jesus is unbelievable, amen? You know, Jesus hit rock bottom for our sin. There's no one who has went lower than Jesus. Now, we hit rock bottom for our sin. So it's like we own it. My sin. I'm here because I've sinned and God has disciplined me because he loved me. Jesus hit rock bottom for our sin also. No sin ever committed. Jesus never had to be disciplined. Jesus never made bad decisions so he had to realign his heart because his heart was always for people in the salvation of the world. Yet our sins, everyone, you and me, our past, present, and future, Cast on Jesus, and he goes to rock bottom on the cross so that we can be saved. Is that unbelievable? There's no lower place because there's no one who was higher. Seated at the right hand of the Father. The whole world created through him. I am God himself. Makes himself nothing. Takes on the form of a servant does carpentry. That still amazes me. He becomes humble, broken, and he goes to the cross and hits rock bottom so that all who believe in him would be saved. So today with the story of Jonah, I want you to see God's unrelenting grace in your life, in Jonah's life. But I ultimately wanted to stir your affections for Jesus because of what he's done on the cross for us. That should never get old. You wake up every day with that forecast. That's good stuff. My sins are forgiven. I'm loved. I'm reconciled. Heaven is my future. Eternity with my God. All because our Savior hit rock bottom. And I want to ask some of you today who maybe... God's brought you to rock bottom, and he's calling out to your heart. 
He's saying, repent and put your faith in me and follow me. Let today be the day of salvation. Let today be the day where you trust your God and you follow God with everything you are. And let's all, as the people of God, reconsecrate our hearts to love others, to follow God, and to magnify Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how gracious you are to us. How gracious you are to us that even in our tough times, you're loving us. That even when we feel most broken, you're rearranging our hearts. And I pray for all of us, Lord, because we all fall short. I pray that you will realign our hearts, that our highest affection would be for you, your kingdom, the worship of your holy name, the advancement of your gospel, and serving and loving others. Would you do that for us over and over again as your people? We love you, and we exalt you today. Amen. You've been listening to Joey Thompson, pastor of Restoration Road Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. Visit them on the web at restorationroadchurch.org. We're pleased that you've listened to the sermon from the site of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and more sermons from our pastor, Stephen Tillis, please visit us on the web at ebcraleigh.com.